Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiphany. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Back to the Book of Daniel sermon series. Now we're on chapter two. The goal of chapter two is to help you see how Daniel used his supernatural gifting while living in a pagan culture and glorified God. There are three main ideas we hope you walk away with. One, Babylonian captivity, a harsh period of slavery, and a later return of the Jews as promised. Spiritual gifts or continuationism. The idea of the gifts of the spirit being in action today as they were in the days of old. And three, understanding Daniel, the supernatural gift of interpretation that foretold of a coming savior. Hold on to these ideas as they're being discussed today in this week's sermon, Using Your Spiritual Gifts. Well, good morning, Epiphany. How we doing today? Come on, I need y'all talking a little bit more. How we doing today? Man, it is so good to be here, gathered with God's people. It's Hebrews 10, 25 that says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another as you see the day going on. Uh, there is something encouraging about gathering with the body of Christ. You can come in and, and, and feel the weight of the world and, and feel the heaviness and the chaos and everything that you left at home and just somehow, some way you get around the body and there's just encouragement. Anybody ever experienced that where you walked in one way and you walked out and was like, man, I just, I feel better. I believe that's Hebrews 10, 12 at play. The body of Christ knows how to encourage each other. I pray that y'all are staying warm. Uh, it was 74 degrees earlier this week. And uh, my wife and I was trying to figure out the best phrase to describe how cold it was when we opened the door this morning. We were like, it's brick. The hawk is outside. I mean, what, else, what other terms did they use? Uh, it's just cold outside. Uh, but shout out to y'all that made it to church today. Shout out to y'all that are home in your warm beds or wherever you are. Uh, no hate, no shade. We're just glad that you are logged on today. Uh, I'm excited about the word. Uh, just a couple of things I want to lay before you before we dig into the word of God. Um, our fourth Wednesday night prayer and Bible study is coming up. So this Wednesday, it sounds like there is a, a prayer happening with the Amos ministry. That is this Wednesday. The following Wednesday, the 23rd, is our prayer and Bible study where we'll gather in here. We'll, we'll spend some time praying together as a body. Individual prayers are, are great, but we see that the scriptures are replete with individual and corporate prayer. Uh, even in our text today, you're going to see a moment where there's corporate prayer. And so uh, we're coming together at, at 7 o'clock on the 23rd, and then we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be filled. As the scripture says in uh, Ephesians 5, 18, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That sounds nice, but what does that mean? How does, how does the Holy Spirit function within your lives? Do you know that the moment you believe you have God living in you? Like right, like right now, God is God is in you, so how do we live our lives in a way that we are discerning his direction and what it is that he wants to do. So we'll be talking about that. And then I also want to lay before you Easter weekend is, is just like snuck up on us. It's, it's happening next month. And uh, I'm excited about Easter. It's usually a little bit later, but uh, it, it's coming a little bit earlier this year. And um, Good Friday is, is going to be the Friday before Easter. We are going to have a Good Friday service in here. It's, we're going to have a good time, heavy worship, and uh, some time in the Word. We'll have some other cool things that are going on. So look forward to Easter, uh, to Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday. We're going to make that epic. That's the Sunday we celebrate the risen Savior. 
the fact that the tomb is empty is, is what gives us great confidence. And so we'll celebrate that. All right, y'all good? We're going to dig in, jump right into it. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. I hope you guys have read it by now and, and spent some time in it this week. We are going through a series through the book of Daniel, all 12 chapters. We made a commitment. This is actually our sixth book, book that we've gone through. Uh, we started our church. We went through the book of Colossians. We've gone through the book of Jonah. We've gone through the book of First Peter and um, Habakkuk and Romans. And so this is our sixth book. And we, we love, we just feel comfortable as a church going through books of the Bible. Last week we were in chapter one. And uh, this week we get to go in chapter two. Uh, just a quick recap. We saw that Judah was... Uh, was under the king, King Jehoiakim. He, they were in sin, so King Nebuchadnezzar took them over. God gave them over to Babylon, and now they're in Babylon, and God still wants them, those who are faithful believers, to remain faithful and remain growing in their faith. And the Bible says that there's four young men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that choose to be different even in the midst of a pagan culture. They choose to be different, and it is their difference that, that makes them make a difference. And it is their difference that God honors and favors them. By the end of the chapter, the Bible says that they were 10 times better than everybody else. And so I hope you guys are enjoying the book of Daniel. Uh, chapter 2 is, is a, we would say uh, down in Philly, it's a problem. It's just, it's just an amazing, amazing uh, book, 40, 40, uh, 49 verses. So I'm not going to read all of them. Let's, uh, let's do this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray. And then announce our topic and then y'all going to talk back and we're going to interact and we're going to engage with this chapter um, and see where the Lord takes us. Father, we do thank you for how good you are. We really can stop right there. You are good. You are good despite us not always feeling like you're good, not always feeling the direction you're taking us, not always feeling the ebbs and flows of life. But Father, at the end of the day, if we really, really dig down, we understand that you really are good to us. And so, Father, I pray, oh God, that as we dig into this text today, that you would speak to us. Pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work of illuminating the text in our hearts today. We don't want to just understand this from our minds, but we want this to get into our hearts and transform us and help us to think different and help us to walk different, and help us to behave different. But Father, may, may we see Jesus in the text today. Point us directly to him as we dig into this Old Testament text. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Amen. All right. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Using Your Spiritual Gifts. Using Your Spiritual Gifts. I might broaden it just a little bit and just in, in some points talk about just using your, your, your gifts overall. But uh, I think in the text what we're going to see is we're going to see how uh, God uses Daniel t in, in using his spiritual gifts. You know, um, whenever I go to sleep, if I have a dream, and I have to say if because I don't always have dreams. You know, some, some nights are, are you, you just you just sleep. But but there are moments where I do have dreams. And when I have dreams, I can tell you now, ninety nine point nine percent of my dreams are not cohesive. <laughs> they don't make sense. They're extremely weird. I have friends that have like very cohesive dreams. They have structure and sequence and flow and they can recite their dream back to me and it's just so structured, but my dreams are so weird. I have dreams of a, a huge white cat wearing pink earmuffs, holding double A batteries while listening to Fuji's Killing Me Softly. And then I wake up like, well, what am I supposed to do with that dream? 
And that's 99.9% of my dreams, but the reality is every now and then, not always, but every now and then, God will drop a dream that makes perfect sense. And it, has God ever did anybody like that? Well, he'll drop a dream to answer the prayer. Maybe it's the direction that he wants you to go in. Maybe it's a warning. But every now and then, God will drop a dream in my spirit that I, I, I feel like is from God. And I do believe that God does work through dreams. In fact, just this week, I talked to two people that was telling me, about how God used dreams in their life. Josh was one of them. And I talked to somebody else that was telling me about, about dreams. In fact, one guy I was talking to was telling me about how the, that, uh, his conversion story was tied to what God was showing him in a dream. Now, if you're in here going, ah, oh, no, that, I'm not theologically there. Like, you know, if you're really a student, you just, you put limits on God when it comes to stuff like that. I dare you to go overseas and talk to Christians that work with Muslims and hear how you would be flabbergasted at how many Muslims came to faith because God showed up in a dream and then they went to somebody else and said, what does this dream mean? And they were able to open up the word of God and show them the gospel and show them Jesus. And then they would convert and give their life to the Lord. Don't ever get it twisted. God does use dreams. In fact, let me put a little Bible here early on the fact that God does use dreams and visions. Joseph, God used the dream. Abimelech in Genesis 20, God used the dream. The Midianites and the Amalekite armies in Judges chapter 7, God uses a dream. Samuel, God uses a vision. Solomon, God uses a dream. Joseph, to tell him he's not the baby daddy, God uses a dream. Zacharias, God uses a dream. Pontius Pilate's wife, God uses a dream. Peter in Acts chapter 10, God uses a vision. Please don't put limits on God. God knows how to work and sometimes he uses dreams. Let me go a little deeper here. We serve a God that is a God of the miraculous. Sometimes we can be so theologically deep that we forget that God knows how to work miracles and sometimes he'll allow his body to participate in those miracles and the way he does that is through spiritual gifts and one of the spiritual gifts that he often uses that he can use it's dreams. There's a theological term, they said it in the video, called continuationism. Somebody say continuationism. Come on, say that like you went to, to, to seminary. Say continuationism. Continuationism is the idea and the belief that the spiritual gifts are still in operation. So the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of miracles, the gift of dream interpretation, the gift of interpreting tongues, a continuationist would say, well, those gifts are still in operation. The opposite of continuationism is this idea of sensationism. Somebody say sensationism. sensationism. Stay with me. Sensationism holds the idea that the gifts of the spirit have ceased with the last apostle. And so there is no more tongues. There is no more. God doesn't use dreams. And, you know, we, got, we, don't, we don't have a, a prophecy anymore because all of that has ceased. But we don't, we, as a church, we believe in the former. We believe in continuationism. In fact, the Bible didn't just tell us that the gifts of the Spirit are still in operations. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to earnestly desire the gifts. Paul will say, pray for the gifts. So as a church, we believe that all of them are in operation. We would say that we are charismatic, but we use the term we're charismatic with a seatbelt. We're cautious. 
This is just not the, the place that everybody's going to use spiritual gifts and, and we'll be all confused and confused on what is going on. But we believe that tongues, interpretation, prophecy, healing, evangelism. Did you know evangelism is a spiritual gift? Generosity. Did you know generosity is a spiritual gift? Here's one. Hospitality. Did you know hospitality is a spiritual gift? I need the hospitality team to just say amen right there. And the gift of dream interpretation is a spiritual gift. So we arrive at a passage where King Nebuchadnezzar is having one of those dreams like I had. And he's trying to make sense of the dream. He's trying to understand. It's, it's troubling him, as that the text would say. It's bothering him that he does not understand this dream and God sends Daniel in a supernatural way to explain to him the dream. Now, quick disclaimer, this, this is a long chapter and we're going to actually go through the entire chapter and read uh, all of the chapter, but I'm going to read a little bit and talk a little bit, read a little bit, talk a little bit. Don't check out on the reading because the story reads so well that it actually preaches itself. So if you could just flow along with me in the reading and not just the talking. Pick me up in verse one. It says in the second year of the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams uh, notice it's plural, so I don't know if that means he had one dream, uh, like uh, one night that he had a bunch of dreams, or if he had dreams over a series of nights, whatever the case may be, he had plural. He had uh, multiple dreams about the same thing. It says, his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before the king. Verse three, and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldean said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. And the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word for me is firm. He says, if you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation. He said, you should be torn limb from limb from limb. And your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive gifts and rewards and honor, great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation. So they answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you its interpretation. And the king said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. Does you have agreed to speak uh, of, uh, to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the end of times change? Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can also show me the interpretation. Stop right there for a second. Uh, in, in, in chapter two, it starts out with King Nebuchadnezzar uh, having the, this dream. He's having it over and over again. This one dream and the dream is so troubling to him. In fact, the text would say it twice. He says it twice that he's troubled and the Bible says sleep has left him. That means he can't sleep. And so what he does is he calls all of his magicians together and his sorcerers and the enchanters and the Chaldeans, all of the wise people in Babylon. He calls them all together. And he says, tell me the interpretation. And they said, King, we'll tell you the interpretation. Watch this. But first, you got to tell us the dream. In ancient times, what Babylonian wise men would do is they had a little book. And Chris, what they would do with this book is you would tell them your dream and they would be able to look in their book and there were trigger words 
Historically, there were trigger words that they would grab and they would hear a word and they would grab it and they would write it down and they would make sense of your dream through a book. But it wasn't an interpretation that was given by God. It was an interpretation that was pieced together through a little book. So in other words, if I was back in ancient times and I had this dream and you know, I was standing before the Babylonian wise man. And I said, man, I had a dream of a big white cat and he had on pink earmuffs and he was holding double A batteries. And he was singing Killing Me Softly by Fuji's. They would, they would go in their book and they would look up cat and they would find it and they would write it down. They would look up batteries and they would write it down. They would look up Fuji's. I'm sure they'd be looking a long time for Fuji's and they, they would be looking for Fuji's and they would find out and they would take my dream and they would piece it together and they would say, well, here is what your dream meant by based on their little book. But King Nebuchadnezzar ain't falling for the okie doke. He's like, you're not going to look up this dream in your book. You're going to tell me the dream first. And after you tell me the dream, then you must tell me the interpretation. And what I love about King Nebuchadnezzar doing this is he puts them in a place that they have to know what God is saying. He doesn't want them guessing on this one. He knows that this one is of divine origin. So what, what did they say back to him? He says, this is what you're going to do. Tell me the dream and the interpretation. Verse 10 says the Chaldeans answered him and said, there is no man. Pay attention to what they said because they're actually right. There is no man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. It says the thing that the king asks is too difficult. No one can show the king except for the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was enraged or angry and was very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were uh, about to be killed. They, uh, they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who, was, who, was, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is this decree of the king so urgent? And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation of the king. I'm not going to preach this, but pause there for a second. He re just requested an audience with the king, and he doesn't even know what the interpretation is yet. Please don't tell me he's not confident. Please don't tell me he don't know exactly that his God will show up. Verse 17 says, Then Daniel went in his house and made the manner known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Please pay attention to verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel. In a vision of the night, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Skip down to verse 24, because somewhere in there, he's just blessing God. You can read that on your own time. But in verse 24, it says, Therefore Daniel went up to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought Daniel before the king, in haste, and he said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king his interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you 
able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation, then Daniel answered the king. He's going to answer the same way the wise men did. No wise man, an enchanter and magician and astrologer, can show the king this mystery uh, that the king has asked. Let's just pause there for a second. Notice that he, he literally, they, they twisted it a little bit, but he's saying the exact same thing. You calling all of the wise men together, none of us can show you this. And, and what, 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 we, what he's doing here is he's helping them to see that what you need isn't held in man's hand. The wise men said that they couldn't do it. King was furious. He was angry. The Bible says that Daniel is saying that he can't do it, that men can't do it. The Bible shows us that he's angry. But verse 19 just said that Daniel gets the mystery revealed to him. Verse 19 said that Daniel understands the dream and its interpretation. In other words, verse 19 says that Daniel is operating in his gift that God gave him of dream interpretation. Stay with me. Back in chapter one, I'm not going to read it, but back in chapter one, verse 17, the Bible says that God gave all of them, all four of them, all types of gifts. They had gifts of skill and wisdom and to understand literature. But it says in verse 17 of the last chapter that he gave Daniel the gift of interpretation. Don't miss this. Daniel is operating now in the gift that God gave him back in chapter one. And the other boys ain't mad because Daniel's operating in this gift. Don't miss this. Daniel is operating in the gift that God gave him. And the other boys ain't mad that Daniel was operating. They're not lusting after Daniel's gift. They're not seeking after Daniel's gift. And I believe that one of the reasons that many of us in this room can't search out and find the giftings that God has put in us is because we're always searching after somebody else's gift. We're always lusting after somebody else's gift. We're always. And you know what we do is, especially within the church. Let's use the church context for a second. We look at the gifts that are most visible and we think that because they're most visible that that person is more spiritual. And so the gifts, like I said, of, of, of hospitality and the gift of generosity and the gift of administration, we look down on those gifts and we be like, I want the gift of teaching. I want the gift of prophecy because those are more visible gifts. But you are just as, what's the word we use? Anointed if you have the gift of generosity as you are as the person that has the gift of prophecy. Azariah and Hananiah and Michelle are not saying, why ain't God give me that gift? They are all flowing in the gifts that God has given them. Say that again. They are all flowing in the gift that God has given them. And I promise you, if you walk out of here with nothing, walk out of here discerning your gift, not the person that's sitting next to you. Because life works better when you are flowing in the gifts that he has given you. Don't look on social media and be like, that's what I want to do. Let's just move it off of spiritual gifts and just use it in gifts. Many of us are operating in a job right now because we see somebody else doing it and, or we see somebody else on social media. And so we want to do what they do with this idea of coveting what somebody else has. But Daniel is flowing in his gift. And nowhere in the book of Daniel are the other boys arguing. Let me see if I can make sense because this, this seems to be falling flat. Let me see if I can make sense of this. Uh, the band today is, can we get some love to the, to the band and the worship team? The band is all gifted at the instruments that they're playing. So Josh is gifted at the, at the keyboard. I know Josh can play a few other things, but Josh, would you agree with me that that's your main gift? 
That's his main gift. We, we see Miguel is on the bass. That's his main gift. Michael is on the, the electric guitar. That's his main gift. We have Brad on the drums. That's his main gift. And even though they might have some other giftings, that's the one that God, that they use on Sunday mornings to help us to worship. But here's what would be crazy. What if they woke up this morning and said, you know what? I don't want to use that gift. What if Josh said, I don't want to lead and I don't want to play the keyboard, even though that's his main gift. What would the sound sound like? How would we be forcing it? In fact, let's just do it. Let, let's kind of switch around. Let, Brad, come off the drums for a second and grab the bass. Miguel, do me a favor. Jump, jump on the keyboard. Uh, Josh, jump on the electric guitar. Uh, uh, Michael, jump on the drums for me. Come on, y'all move, y'all move quick. Y'all move quick. Y'all move like y'all actually want to operate in this gift. Come on, come on, come on. Y'all move quick. Now, now I've just switched them around and none of them are in the, in the giftings that God has given them. But this is what they desire because it's more visible for everybody else. Y'all do me a favor. Y'all, y'all play. Oh, I felt killing me softly in my dream. So y'all do me a favor. Y'all play the Fugees killing me softly. However y'all do it. Look, they can't even get together. That's killing me softly. That's why Clef Jones, I hope he's not watching. It's Lauren Hill, it's killing me softly. All right, y'all do me a favor. Miguel, I don't even know what you're doing, bro. Y'all do me a favor. Y'all switch back. Y'all switch back. Switch back real quick. Miguel, get back on the bass, because that's your gift. Michael, get back on the electric guitar, because that's your gift. Brad, your, your main gift in music is on the drums. Josh, your main gift is on the keyboard. Now now they're going to operate in their gift. But watch this. I want y'all to play the exact same song, but do it now on the instrument that God has gifted you with. Go ahead. It already feel better. Oh, come on now. Y'all feel that? Y'all can get up and dance a little bit if y'all want. It's all right. I know y'all feel that. Give me a little bit more groove on that bass. Y'all feel that? This is what it sounds like when you are operating in your gift. Do it again, keep it going. When you're forcing it to sound like before, but when you're operating, this is what it sounds like. Before y'all were really killing me, but now y'all killing me softly. Y'all good. Y'all feel that? It was a mess before when they were lusting after each other's gifts. But when they operate in what God has called them, they flow better. Daniel right now is operating the way God has called him. And nobody's mad at it. Daniel ain't looking at the other boys and be like, I just want to do that. I don't want to be up invisible. You know, I don't want to be up there doing all that. I don't want to go before the king. Hananiah, you go before the king. No, he is operating in the gift that God has given him. And I just believe that the start of you understanding your gift today is understanding your gift, not somebody behind you, not somebody next to you, not somebody you saw on social media, not something that your parents told you, but the gift that God has put in you. And I'm not just talking spiritual gifts anymore. I'm talking about how he's wired you overall. On your job, operating the gift that God has given you. And be cool that you ain't gifted at everything. Oh, man. I'm, I'm helping somebody today. Somebody is operating right now, and you about average at what you do, but you can, you can excel. 
could be, you could be great if you could just flow in what God has given you. So the Bible says that they said, look, man, no, none of, no, no magician, no enchanter, no, no astrologer, no, no Chaldean, no man can understand the king's dream. In fact, the wise men said, what you ask is too hard. Nobody's ever asked this before. Now watch what, watch what Daniel says. Daniel says, no wise man, I'm in verse 27, no wise man, enchanter, magician, and astrologer can show the king this mystery that the king has asked. Please make note of the first seven words of verse 28. But there is a God in heaven. Can we pause there for a second? But there is a God in heaven where all human effort fails, but... There is a God in heaven. Wise men couldn't do it. Enchanters couldn't do it. Chaldeans couldn't do it. Even, even Daniel was like, I can't do it. But there is a God in heaven that can do it. If we just understood this phrase, if, if we understood this phrase, I, I believe that the bad diagnosis wouldn't be as bad because we would get the diagnosis and be like, but there's a God in heaven. The marriage issues wouldn't be as bad because we would be like, I know we got issues and we go into therapy and we trying to figure out our issues. But there is a God in heaven. Look at your, your, your child and you're, you're raising your child and you want them to go in a, a direction that is, that is godly, that is full of character. And they seem to be going left. I think you need to recite this phrase, but there is a God in heaven. I believe that if we understood this, our problems wouldn't feel so big. I believe that if we understood this, it would view how we go through life. Somebody say, but there is a God in heaven. I need you to say it like there actually is a God in heaven. Can you just say, but there is a God in heaven? Because God's power starts where yours ends. Can you write that down? God's power starts where yours ends. Here's where theirs ended, verse 27. But verse 28, here's where God's starts. There's a God in heaven. And this God in heaven does great things. Watch what he says. But there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has made known to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days. Okay, he's finally going to get to the dream. Verse 31, jump down. He says, you, you saw, O king, and behold a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you. And its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was a fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly iron and partly clay. And as you look, the stone cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet, on the feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron uh, it says, then the iron, the clay, and the bronze, and the silver, and the gold all together was broken into pieces and became like chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel was like, this is the dream. That, that, that's how he ends it in, in verse 36. This is your dream. He just did what nobody else was able to do. What did he do? He told him the dream. He says, look, here's the dream. Your head was a fine gold. The head was a fine gold of this statue in your dream. In your dream, the chest and, and, and arms were silver. It says the midsection of the, and the thighs were of bronze. It says the legs were iron and the feet were partially iron 
and partially clay. And he says, this is the dream. But King, just in case you think like me and God ain't like this, I'm not just going to tell you the dream. I'm going to go deeper. Now I got to give you the interpretation. Let's geek out for a second here. The interpretation is in verse 36. Now we will tell the king the interpretation. It says, you, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given every uh, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you the ruler over all. Please don't miss this next phrase. You, talking to the king, are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks into pieces all that shatters. And shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and the toes were partially potter's clay and partly iron. It should be divided. It should be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw mixed with soft clay. And the toes and the feet were partially ironed and partially clay so that the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. And as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so, uh, so they will be mixed with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. And in these days, uh, those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to other people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Somebody say forever. Just as you saw the stone cut out from the mountain by no human hand, and that it broke the, to pieces the iron. Don't forget that, that, that back in, in, in verse 40, it just says that iron breaks all things, but this stone breaks the iron, the bronze, and the clay, and the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall happen after or what shall be after this. This dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. So what Daniel just did was Daniel tells him the dream in verse 31 to verse 36. And then verse 36 to verse 45, he says, here's the interpretation. Can we just geek out for just a few seconds here? Come on, I got I got to put this this degree to to to. To work here. It says the head was made of gold. He just told him this is you. This represents the Babylonian Empire, which lasted from 626 BC to 539 BC. And Daniel says, You old King Neb, you, you're the head. But then he goes on, he says, after this, the chest and arms are made of silver. This represents the Persian Empire. In fact, we're not there yet. You can read ahead if you want, but the Persian Empire actually overtakes Babylon. Read chapter five. Chapter five, we'll see that. And then we see that the belly and the thighs are made of bronze. We have to venture out a little bit here because the first two parts were very, very clear of what they are. But this last, this middle part of this bronze, we're not 100% sure of what it represents. Then we have to go to the legs. The Bible says that their legs were of iron. This represents the Roman army, which overtook and conquered Greece in 63 BC. Please don't get it twisted. When the Bible says that iron is strong, Rome's army was strong. I know y'all saw Gladiator. 
Listen, Gladiator doesn't, it pales into comparison to what Rome's army really was like. And so when it says that the iron was firm and that it was strong, it's very clear that it's talking about the Roman army. Finally, he says that the feet were a mixture of iron and clay. The Roman Empire will eventually be shattered into different nations and different kingdoms and it will mix a, a bit. And I'll tell you this, don't fill it in because we don't know the kingdoms that it's, that it's going to be mixed with. Be careful here. Like you can have some type of historical guess if you want to, but don't stay there long. And be willing to say, you know what, I was wrong. You know how many people have built theology off of gray area in the scripture? If I don't know, I'm going to just say, I don't know. And we don't know in the text. If somebody comes up to me after church and be like, I know what them feet is. Them feet is Russia. I'm going to scream in 10 tongues. If somebody say the vaccine is the feet, I'm going to scream all over the place. We don't know. But here's what I know about the Bible. Embrace ambiguity. Embrace, embrace the areas that are gray. Don't sit there and go, oh, I need every answer, you know, every question answered. The reality is we serve a God whose thoughts are not our thoughts. If I could figure out everything about God, would he really be my God? Can't figure out everything about God. And so we don't know certain parts. And honestly, the metals really aren't even important. I'll say it this way. What's really important is the stone. And the crazy part is that the stone shatters all of the other metals, even though we know a stone, a rock is not as precious as gold not as precious as iron it's not as precious as silver i'll say it this way it's not even as strong naturally but in the kingdom it's always it's always mixed the bible says that there's a stone here in verse 44 and so the materials aren't the important part what happens to them is what's important what happens to them they all shatter how do they shatter because there's a stone that the bible says isn't made with human hands that stone represents the kingdom of God. The stone in the text represents our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus is going to pick this up in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is going to talk about how, how, how he is the stone, how he is the rock. He has the nickname of the rock of ages, how he is that stone. And when he comes, the Bible says that, that the stone will, will start small, that it will grow. That cut from human hands. Jesus isn't born uh, through the bloodline of Joseph, but he is Mary's womb becomes the conduit in which bring Jesus in. In other words, he's not made with human hands. He's not created with human hands. And this stone will start small. Jesus being born in a manger. I hope y'all are connecting this New Testament. Jesus being born in a manger. His followers in Acts chapter one, they were there were 120 people up in the upper room. By the time you get to chapter 2, 3,000 people are added to the church. By the time you get to 2022 on Atlantic Avenue, all of us up in here believing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Why? Because the stone started small. But the stone started to grow and grow and grow. And you and I are believers and those of you who are online right now have trusted in Jesus. We are now a part of this thing that started here as a dream. Can I go deeper on this idea of a dream? Not just a dream, but a dream given to a pagan king. I know y'all say, oh my God, God giving spiritual gifts. You know, he using, he using people that don't know the Lord. Can I go even deeper? Watch this. Our boy Daniel uses his gift of interpretation, not in the church, but in Babylon. Uh, 
man. Because you know what happens is when I, when I said, man, using your spiritual gifts, most people are like, well, we're about to learn how to use our gifts in the church. But he, here's the reality. I told you that all 12 chapters take place in Babylon. I told you that only two verses take place in Jerusalem. Here's what I didn't tell you. None of it takes place in the synagogue. And so Daniel is using a gift right now in the world, not necessarily in the church. And sure, there are some gifts that should be used in the church. I don't want you going to work and laying hands and prophesying and speaking in tongues. You'll be fired. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm suggesting to you. But I am saying, how are you operating in Babylon and using the gifting that God has given you in Babylon? I got to go deeper. If you notice the book of Acts, 40 miracles take place. 39 of them take place outside of the church. And oftentimes we just like, I just got to get to church. I just got to get to church. But the church is a tornado. You get sucked in here for a little bit, only to get flung back out into the world. And that's where you're supposed to be. We're, this is why I say we're not separating from Babylon. Use your gifts in Babylon. Use what, be who God has created you to be. Function with what God has put inside of you. Not operating through somebody else's gift, but operating through your own gift. The Bible says that the stone started small. Begin to grow and grow and grow. And they only knew what the interpretation was because Daniel used his gift. I'm almost done here. I told you that the main prophet of this time, Israel always had a prophet. Had to keep them to keep them straight, the main prophet of this time is Jeremiah. This, he, that's, this is his error. And Jeremiah says something so key in Jeremiah 29 verse 7. Jeremiah 29 verse 7, he says, but seek the welfare of the city, Babylon. Seek the welfare of Babylon to where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you'll find your own. I'm talking to somebody who's being too spiritually deep right now. All you want to do is just get around the body and get around the body and get around the body. And all I need is, I just need community. I need community. And yes, you do need community. But you know what you also need? To be around some lost people. <sighs> and use your gifts that God has put in you to be a representation of the kingdom of God. This thing starts small and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And Daniel uses his gift to show them this growth. But you know what happens? God favors. And remember back in chapter 1. The Bible says that God favored them. And then it goes on to say that they were 10 times better than everybody else. Guess what? God favors him again. I'm not going to preach this, but look at the end of the chapter. It says here, King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel. It commanded that the offering and the incense be offered to him. And the king answered and said to, to Daniel, truly your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave honor and made great gifts and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon. Chief, uh, uh, chief prefer uh, uh, and the chief perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request to the king. You know, you got favor when you just like king. This is what I want, though. He negotiating the deal right now. He says, and he appointed, he says he made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. My boy texts me. I have my boys, um, some of my book club reading, reading the, the, um, this chapter. And 
One of my boys said to me, man, Daniel is the originator of if I eat, we all eat and be. That's what he just did. He says, I'm using my gifts and I get elevated, but I'm not only going to be elevated by myself. I need to bring the boys with me. All of us getting elevated. And it all happened because he was operating in his gift. It all happened because they weren't arguing over each other's gifts. It all happened because he didn't look at Babylon like, I can only use my spiritual gift in Jerusalem. I can only use my, my spiritual gift inside of the synagogue. No, he uses it wherever God wants him to use it. And that's my prayer for all of us in this room today. I talk about using your gifts and your spiritual gifts and the things that God has put in you and the ways that he's wired you and the passions and the desires that you have. Use them to the glory and honor of Jesus Christ and allow that. Don't chase the bag. Chase the gift. Chase the gift. Because whatever God has put in you, if he wants you to have the bag, the bag follows. Did you read the rest of this chapter? Not only did the bag follow for Daniel, but all his boys ate. Play something soft. Nothing in scripture says that the gifts of the spirit have ceased. No place in scripture that tells me that. The opposite. Paul says earnestly desire them. Some of you don't know what your gifts are. Some of you don't know what God has put in you. and You don't know how they, how they function and how they work. Today I pray that he begins to reveal that to you. And some of you that are young, I'm talking like early 20s pray that you figure that out now don't wait you don't gotta wait you continue to grow in your faith and grow in your relationship with the Lord and journey on this thing called the Christian walk I pray that you would do so following Jesus now there are some gifts that he gives us that are called residential means you can't just wake up and prophesy I'm gonna prophesy today so God has to put that he has to give you that so there are some gifts that don't stay they're residential they come before a moment they, they pop out But there are some gifts that when he gives it to you, you have it. Gift of teaching. There needs to be more teaching in this room. And I'm not just talking what I'm doing now. What about in Babylon? How how many of your friends don't know Jesus because you never opened them and said, yo, let's go through Daniel together. Some of you need to be teachers. Some of you need to be more generous. Some of you need to operate in the gift of hospitality. And hospitality didn't, isn't necessarily saying, welcome, come on in and sit down. But, but hospitality means a welcoming of strangers, sharing your faith, being a faithful witness. I believe that God wants to expose those gifts to some of us today. But I think it starts with you understanding what God put in you, not in others. Father, I thank you for everybody that's in this room. gave a pagan king a prophetic dream of our savior and yeah he gonna act a fool later he get it but father in this moment you're, you're using even him and Daniel oh God that's operating in his gift comfortable enough in his gift that he can say take me before the king before he even knows what the interpretation is that's confidence father give us that confidence but in, uh, we want to we want to be faithful witnesses of you in babylon and on our job and in our families and 
on our on our block in our neighborhood in our buildings in the uber on the train walking down the street we want to represent you well and father those moments that we've overlooked you were saying use your gift here we've we've neglected we were embarrassed we didn't want our gifts to, to fall flat father we you know that those gifts need to be developed no gift starts out perfect Father, would you give us that confidence in you? Father, I love the end of this chapter. You elevated these four boys, four teenagers. You elevated them because Daniel used his gift. And Father, we're not, we're not necessarily doing it for the elevation. We're doing it for your honor and for your glory. And whatever you bring with that, oh God, we'll be pleased and we'll accept. But Father, stir up the gifts in this room more prophecy more teaching tongues operate in the orderly fashion of 1 Corinthians 14 may interpretation happen give us dreams help us to make sense and discern of your calling and your dreams that you put in our heart Father we just want to honor you in all that we do so give us discernment and give us wisdom as you gave these boys wisdom in Christ's name we pray Amen.